Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break Podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to this episode of Trauma-Informed Parenting. Today, I'm going to talk about three tips to help you in your alexithymia journey and your kiddos and you, I mean... That's not the official title, but let me start with the definition. Alexithymia is when a person has difficulty experiencing, identifying, and expressing emotions. So I'm starting this episode with a definition for a reason. When we are parenting kiddos with trauma histories and or capital letter syndromes, or reparenting ourselves. That's why I gave that very wordy title, which won't be the official title. We hear many terms, and alexithymia is one of those, along with proprioception, introception, and a slew of other words, which leave us scratching our heads. I remember those days when I was just beginning to dig into these things, and some of my kiddos were getting diagnoses, and it's like, or diagnoses. I was hearing all of these words all the time, and I still don't even know if I'm saying them correctly, but we don't often have time to just sit there and create notes and look up every new term when therapists use them as frequently as we use the word that. Okay, so just going to tell you, I recently found... 22 that in a chapter of mine that I was editing. So yeah, we have words that we use frequently. They're part of our everyday life, but when we're just learning or our kiddos are just getting a diagnosis or we're just beginning to research, then we start learning these terms and they're not part of our everyday life. In fact, I was sitting on the back deck with my husband drinking coffee the other morning and I was talking about this particular episode that I was writing an article for and I said a bunch of these words and he's like, yeah, right. I I never use those words. So just a disclaimer. Well, I'm not a professional therapist, nor do I have lots of letters behind my name. I am a trauma-informed parenting coach And I like to take concepts and break them down into bite-sized pieces and share them with you so we can all be better parents, grandparents, caregivers, and professionals. 
And if you are a professional and you're listening to my podcast, please excuse my rudimentary explanations and enjoy my examples. I'd rather show you what alexithymia looks like rather than only share academic research and studies. Now, let me just say I love to delve into those academic research and studies, and I totally 100% appreciate the people who take the time to do those studies. But in order to apply what we're learning from those studies and that research, we need personal examples. Now, I am going to share a little bit of my alexithymia journey. I understand and had experienced the effects of alexithymia long before. No, I didn't understand. I'm getting that wrong. Back up, rewind. I did not understand, but I had experienced the effects of alexithymia long before I learned that term. It was part of my childhood that I'm examining through a new lens of autism and trauma. It's also a huge part of some of my kiddos and some of my grandkiddos' lives. Okay, I have to tell you this. One of my favorite movie scenes is the I'm angry scene from Enchanted. You know, where she says, I'm angry. <gasps> I'm angry. Like she, she finally realizes like she has this emotion and she can identify it. And as an adult, I realize how many times... I didn't recognize my own emotions as a child, and sometimes I don't recognize my own emotions now. And now as I look back through my life, through the lens of autism into my childhood, I realize how numbly I approached life. Like, I just lived numb. I didn't realize that I was angry or sad or happy or fill in the blank. And also, I didn't know that others expected me to react to things in emotional ways. For example, let me explain. There's a photo of me at a surprise birthday party. That was for me when I was a teenager. And in this photo, I'm staring blankly ahead while people are smiling and singing happy birthday. And I'm like having no reaction. I was zoned out completely. And you, like if you know me now, you might be surprised that I basically lived most of my childhood unaware of how I felt because, like I said, if you know me now, you have a different picture of who I am. I'm happy, energetic, and excited about life. But you know what? It's been a long journey getting there, and I am still on that journey. That's why I put that in my very long, wordy title of this podcast. It's a journey. But I want to share three tips. If your kiddos are experiencing alexithymia and you're trying to help them in this journey to having emotional literacy, acknowledging and being aware of their feelings, number one, you need to put yourself in your kiddos shoes. And let me just backtrack for just one second. Why am I talking about myself first? This is why. I tell people who attend my live workshops before we dig into the material to keep two people in mind and to think about the concepts that I'm sharing 
as they apply them to those people, one being themselves and the other being one of their kiddos or family members or a student in their classroom if they're teachers, depending on the situation. It's important to learn while applying information to actual people, experiences, and situations. Otherwise, the information becomes simply rote knowledge that you may be able to take a multiple choice test on, but you can't apply it to your life. In your kiddo's trauma bucket, that episode, I have it linked in the show notes, I talk about delayed trauma responses. We can also have delayed responses to emotions we didn't know we felt. For example, if one of your kiddos with a trauma history or capital letter syndrome comes home from swim practice and is silent and moody and just brooding and you say, you know, what's wrong? And the response is nothing, leave me alone, or some version of that. It may be time to figure out what actually went on. This doesn't mean putting the child under a bright light and interrogating them. This means helping them identify a feeling. So let me give you an example because I think these examples are important. One of my kiddos who was a teen at the time, he was sullen and not really displaying much emotion about a friendship that I was very concerned about. When he came home from goofing around in the the woods behind our house with this friend, And he had burns on his arms and some other small injuries. And I was more than concerned. I was livid. But he wasn't. He's, you know, he just like, this is my friend. And he said it was okay. And here is just another thing you will have to remember. The confusing thing about mixing alexithymia with trauma histories is some kiddos don't know how they feel at the moment and abuse may be normal to them. Mistreatment, physical, emotional, or spiritual, is not okay, but that's their core belief that it is okay. And that's why we have to separate and like, okay, you should feel angry that you have these little burn marks on your hand. You should feel angry that your child was, I mean, that your friend was hitting you with a tree branch and thought it was funny. That's not funny. So it's like this tricky walk where you have to almost walk on water kind of thing and explain to them what is mistreatment and what is not, and then let them know it's okay to feel angry at that person. You want them to be your friend, but they did something that was wrong, and you should feel angry. Okay? I know that's a difficult one, and that might involve having a therapist for that kiddo as well that can help walk them through that, because sometimes we just need the help, right? All right, number two, don't be, don't feel hopeless right now because kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes can learn how to identify emotions. 
All right, so I pulled my daughters and a friend who's like a daughter in a group chat asking them to give me some examples of alexithymia because they all have kiddos with capital letter syndromes. And my friend said her son could become overly angry. She said, remember that time in public school when someone bumped into him at the water fountain and he swung around ready to fight because he thought it was aggression. So sometimes your children, it's like I've talked about this before in some of the workbooks I've created and on some other podcasts, it's like the gas pedal gets stuck on and maybe they can't identify what that emotion is, but they're having extreme reactions to an emotion they can't identify because of a situation that they're in. And my son, my youngest son used to do the same thing. In fact, the story that my friend said is word for word, except the public school. One of the things that my son did on a weekly basis was he could, if someone touched him on the elbow or whatever, you could get a bloody nose. Okay, so, and he didn't really, like, what was going on there? Nothing. Are you angry? No. I'm fine. Why would you say that? So, <laughs> um, and I just said that kiddos can identify them. They can. It's, it's going to take work. But I just wanted to say, you know, you can have your kiddos with a gas pedal stuck on, or it's just off, like me. I was numb. My guess, my brake pedal was on all the time. I will not feel any emotion because I don't know what these are and they feel scary to me. So I would bury them. So your kiddos might do that. Now I can't read their minds and you can't read their minds, but you can help them begin to identify them. And here's a story of success from my daughter, Audrey. This is about my grandson, Robin, who is on the spectrum. These are Audrey's words. He had a meltdown leaving the playground last week and screamed the whole way home and another five minutes in the car after I parked. And when I talked to him and got him to calm down, he wanted to watch the show Otis about the tractor. And he told me, it's sad and happy and angry. Three feelings. I have three things. So yes, Kids can begin to identify them. Does that mean they're going to be calm all the time? Does that mean that when they express those feelings like Robin, like it's sad, it's happy, it's angry, that they aren't going to be in the middle of a meltdown? Sometimes the meltdown and talking them through that meltdown is what's going to help them identify the problem. I think that what we are in danger of as a society is we want everyone to feel happy all the time. We don't want anybody to cry. We don't want anybody to be upset. And I just had a situation, um, the kids program that I work with, there was a little girl who was on the, what do you call those, the monkey, the monkey bars, yeah. And she thought she could get all the way across by herself and she couldn't and so she was like screaming. But all of us adults who were on the playground, we thought that they were just playing. So anyway, by the time I got over there, she was really crying and upset. And I helped her, you know, get down and talked her through. And one of the other little kids came over and said, don't cry. You're okay now. And I said, you know what? That was really scary for her. And it's okay for her to cry. And it's okay for her to be upset. 
And I think that we are in danger of that, especially the way that I see our culture, a lot of our culture, I can't say all, I'm not going to make some blank statement that is overarching to everyone, but I see some people raising their kids with this, they always have to be happy. They have to have everything they want. They can never be sad. They can never be scared. They can never be, they can never do anything for them that's uncomfortable. And that is not any way to raise our kiddos. So just keeping that in mind. So the he Robin had three emotions. And that was great. And my daughter also added, for my kids, we talk about emotional literacy and identifying physical feelings and emotions that she was struggling to think of specific examples. Usually her kids... They struggle with realizing they're tired or thirsty or anxious or sick. And I struggle with those things myself as an adult. Like, I think I'm hungry when I'm tired. Or I just don't drink water and then realize, you know what? I've had that. I fill up a quart jar twice every day, sometimes three times, to make myself drink. And I don't like force myself you know what I mean like I'm trying to keep track of it otherwise I'm like oh wait a minute I haven't had anything to eat or drink so that's a whole nother topic though I don't want to get into that one I want to talk about feelings instead of just the physical things but kiddos with trauma histories and or capital letter syndromes can learn to identify feelings but it will take work So we parents must work on emotional literacy by talking about feelings and allow our kiddos to feel all sorts of feelings. Then walk walk them through identifying what they are feeling. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast on a regular basis, you might be thinking right now, Oh my goodness, Kathleen, every time you talk about these, you're like, yeah, you have to do the work. You have to do the work. Why do we have to do more work when we are raising neurodiverse kids, kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes? That's just the way it is. I'm, I'm sorry. I wish I could have fixed that for you, but I can't. And I think that if you're struggling with living in chaos all the time, then it's, it's more efficient to step back and do the work than it is to live in reactionary parenting all the time. Been there, done that. It's not fun. And even when we do get a hold of some of these things, obviously there are days where everything is going to feel chaotic and we're tired and we're exhausted and we've already done all the things. And at that time, then we need to identify our own feelings, be aware of our own feelings, know that we can what we can handle and what we can't handle. Obviously, you can't just walk out of the house and say, I'm done. But you can start putting some self-care with your kiddos. Your kiddos and you can practice self-care together into your day and recovering so that you can do the things that you need to do. And that leads me to my third and last tip, which is emotional awareness isn't a one and done. 
And I chose that phrase because I've noticed a trend in fitness programs. All you have to do is get on any social media and it's all one and done. Which gives you the impression that once you complete this, you're done. You won't ever need another fitness program. If you complete this 12-week program, you'll be changed forever and you won't need a reboot. While I've, I love to exercise and I've completed some of these programs, some more than 12 weeks. Like I'll do the 12 weeks and I'll start over and then I'll do another 12 weeks and I'll start over. I still have to exercise. There's no one and done. Not only that, but if I get off track in other areas of my life, if I slide into a short season of unhealthy eating or I'm so busy enjoying family activities that I stay up too late too many nights, my sleep is off, my eating is off, or fill in the blank, then I need a reboot. Often this is when alexithymia rears its ugly head in my life and in our kiddos' lives. I've gotten out of balance, something happens that should stimulate an emotional reaction, and I'm stumped. I either reach for the cookies or I fall on the couch and say, I don't know what's wrong with me. I need to quit everything. It's too much. I can't do this. And our kiddos do the same things, and then we're like, what is wrong with you? Okay. This is one of my favorite literary quotes. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That's Charles Dickens. And that whole, that sentence is actually a paragraph. It goes on and on and on. But going back to the one and done, it's never one and done. My daughter shared a story from her life. She said, I was irritable and out of sorts for a week Once when a friend was moving away and a therapist had to tell me the feeling I had was sad. I genuinely didn't know. She just didn't know that she was sad. She was happy for her friend because her friend had got her friend's husband and got a good job and they had to move away for that. And she had forgotten she could feel two things about something at once. It's very important for us to remember. Our kiddos can feel two things at once. They can feel happy that you're going to go on a hike and go for a picnic or go to the pool. But they can also feel anxious because if they get in the pool and and they're swimming and what if they forget to put their life jacket on? Like kids think about these things too. In fact, I know my one of my grandkiddos was saying to me the other day, you know, we were getting ready to go to the pool. And she said, I like to swim with my floaty off, but sometimes I'm afraid because the pool to them is gigantic when you're only five years old. So yes, you can be feeling two things at once. It's not just one feeling. And it's okay to acknowledge them and say, Yes, you know, I see what you're saying. I understand you can feel happy that we're going to the pool and afraid about swimming at the same time. That Those are normal things to feel. And another thing, like, I think I've talked about this in the, another episode. When my four kiddos first came home, in air quotes, from Poland, one of, one of them was just like, he only had one emotion. 
and it was anger, which he couldn't identify. And I made these little cards for him with different emotions, like different facial emotions. And we would look in the mirror, look at the cards, practice them. This is happy. This is surprised. This is sad. And interesting thing is my my son, who when he was a teenager, he was doing these kind of like help sessions with a little boy who was on the spectrum. And he used those same cards for him. And then they would play games with dinosaurs and robots and stuff and talk about those feelings. So, yeah, you're going to have to continue to do that. And you may have to. And now you can just buy those cards or you can make them yourselves. But we're going to have to work on it. And kiddos may struggle with periods of regression once they have grasped the concept that they have feelings. After learning how to identify sad, angry, happy, surprised, frustrated, there are just so many emotions. They may go through the same cycles and they will go through the same cycles we do as adults. This doesn't mean they have lost everything they have learned. When it comes to emotional intelligence, and I link, there's a whole podcast that Dr. Jared Brown did on that on trauma informed on this podcast i don't know why i'm saying trauma informed um listen to that if you're struggling with ways to figure out how to do this how to put this into place and how to help your kiddos just remember there's never a one and done identifying and being aware of how we feel is a job that we will have for the rest of our lives So, conclusion. I'm going to go back to the definition. Alexithymia is when a person has difficulty experiencing, identifying, and expressing emotions. So, number one, put yourself in your kiddo's shoes. If he is struggling with identifying emotions, help him. This means helping them identify a feeling, being aware And just a reminder, what you may see is your kids being stuck on the gas pedal or the brake pedal. Either, you know, when sometimes we think these kiddos, I was always, people thought I was just such a good kid. The truth is, I was, my brake pedal was stuck all the time. I was numb. So I just kind of rotely did things and did things that looked like I was behaving well. But what it was, was I didn't know what I was feeling. And honestly, because of my early childhood trauma, I didn't know what was allowed to be a feeling. So keep that in mind. Maybe you're a kiddo with a trauma history, things that happened to them before they came home, in air quotes, to you, they don't know what is allowed so you're, you might go through a period where you're helping them be aware of their feelings and for a season, it may feel as if the gas pedal is on all the time. They're always angry. They're always frustrated. They're always because they're beginning to learn how to identify them or it may be like an engine that is starting and restarting and going off and re- like it's... Um, you know, like in a little go-kart where you push the gas and you go too fast because you you don't know the feeling of the pedal yet. And so then you 
slam on the brake and then you slam on the gas and then you slam on the brake and then you slam on the and it may look like that and that's okay that's a beginning all right number two kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes can learn to identify emotions but it will take some work they need help identifying feelings parents must work on emotional literacy by talking about feelings and allow kiddos to feel all sorts of feelings. Let them know it's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel upset. It's okay to feel disappointed, frustrated, shocked, surprised, anxious, fearful. All of there's just like, there's so many feelings. Then walk them through identifying what they are feeling. Let them talk about it. Get them from their downstairs brain, which I've talked about before, into their upstairs brain where they're sharing their story. Like I would say the little girl that got stuck on the monkey bars yesterday, her story, sharing her story would be, hey, you know, I got stuck on the monkey bars. It was really scary. I was really high off the ground. And I thought that I was going to fall. I felt afraid. I felt like nobody was going to rescue me. But then an adult came and she caught me and somebody got me a cold drink of water. You know, let them walk through and identify their feelings and then tell their story. That helps them make sense of their story. And the last one, emotional literacy and awareness isn't a one and done. It's not one and done. Kiddos will struggle with periods of regression once they have grasped the concept that they have feelings. After learning how to identify feeling sad, happy, angry, etc., they will go through the same cycles we do as adults. This doesn't mean that they have lost everything they have learned That just means you need to figure out, you know, what you need to do in your life. Maybe you had a really busy season. Maybe you moved to a new house. Someone started a new job. Someone started a new school. And you may need to seek a therapist out and say, you know, this is like a revolving, like every two weeks, it's just like starting over again. I know that with some of my kiddos, that's what it would seem like. They would do really well for a week identifying feelings, acknowledging them, working through them, telling their story. And then for two weeks, it would just be off the rails. So maybe you need to find a counselor, a therapist to help your kiddo. Or maybe you need to work on your own stuff as well because they may be mirroring you. Okay, I don't want to go down that road, but that's something we do have to acknowledge So thanks for listening today, and I hope these three tips will help you in your alexithymia journey and identifying your feelings. Maybe you're reparenting yourself. It's okay to step back and take some time to do that, and then help your kiddos too. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on traumainformedparenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe 
to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at traumainformedparenting.com.